This podcast has bad words in it. You have been warned. I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving husband and father. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow dad and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies, and all the other things guys love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. Christine, I have to ask, what is the best Pantera record? Oh my gosh, that's (laughs) tough. I'll tell you, Cemetery Gates is probably my favorite song, though. I just have to go straight with that on vocal performance because that was insane. Yeah, so I'll go fun. with that song when I'm not picking an album. <laughs> that, that's that's totally fair. It's really funny to hear like Phil Anselmo's vocals change, though, because on that record, they obviously were like transitioning from being like, I don't know if you ever heard anything before that album when they were like a glam rock band. No, I don't think so. I think yeah. I missed that. Yeah. They were super like glam metal before that. And then Cowboys from hell, that record, they had more of an edge and yeah. like, then the next record, record. vulgar display, you could like hear his vocals starting to change, but he was still doing some of the singing and then far beyond driven, which is my choice. I think that that's the best Pantera record is, uh, is he just went like all, all out with the heavy vocals and stuff yeah and i do like the heavy vocals and i know like a lot of people don't like metal with those kind of growl vocals but i think it's cool i thought all the stuff they did was cool you know i'm a metal fan in general i i'm hard pressed to uh find some metal that i don't like i can appreciate most of it so yeah yeah i i just i I know you're a metal head and you know it's i I try to bring up music on here whenever i can like (laughs) a couple weeks ago you know i had Dan, dan padavana on and uh and his dad was ronnie james dio oh wow know? yeah and uh but and he 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 and i like a lot of the same bands and stuff so we had fun talking about music and stuff for a while but uh but i, I knew you liked pantera so i and, did and they're, yeah they're one of my favorite favorite bands ever i have a and, pantera shirt i should have wore it for the podcast it's upstairs somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah no, <laughs> my I, husband I, doesn't appreciate that when i wear it out but i'm like that's tough i'm gonna deal with my <laughs> pantera shirt <laughs> by the way if my daughter walks in my room here in a second i think she just knocked on my window outside i didn't even think they were coming home yet so there's a really good chance she could come rain but that's okay because we're on the creator dad podcast so yeah i can hear my son uh just got home from school and is stomping around upstairs so you know it's all good <laughs> <laughs> so man so so what's been it's it's funny it, i feel like i just saw you yesterday because we hung out at a couple different events late last year with the with we the did. summit. And then we did the three-story method editing, uh, together. So what, what's been going on? Oh man. I wish I could say a lot, but not a lot. And I know it's like COVID I'm at home, the kids at home, alternatingly, like back and forth. Yeah. So, you know, our holidays were pretty chill. We just did like a little bit of visiting of a few family and a lot of PCR tests. So. Oh yeah. See family and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Um, visited like um my nieces their three nieces so like a couple different families that one day and then my husband's dad and his wife we visited another day but it was all like you know pcr pc i think we did like three tests over the holidays so making sure oh, we're not wow. getting anyone sick and everything yeah <laughs> well now you know we got some old folks we don't want to yeah for sure. Ill, so yeah 
Yeah, I mean, and I know you're in Canada, so I mean, were you? Did you have to travel? We're in Michigan this? for the holidays, right? That's what All I was going to ask. My family's in Michigan. Tra- yeah, 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 yeah. And and because you're, uh, from what I remember, you talking about the summit. I think because you're a dual citizen, it's easier for you to travel, right? Right. Yeah. I'm a U.S. and a Canadian citizen. My husband is U.S. only, but we're living here and we kind of like we country hop. I don't know. So it's like, yeah, we're in Canada now. We'll be in the States next year or maybe who knows. So, yeah, it's kind of back and forth. Nice. Right on. Yeah. I mean, have things in Canada been like pretty strict or? It's stricter than in Michigan, for sure. Everyone's still, you know, masking inside and whatever and schools close more and but the rates here are ridiculous. So I don't know that any of it's helping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. The, you know, I'm in Tennessee, of course, and the, the rates have been a little crazy here too. And most people around here, like aren't masking in stores and it's like where I'm at, because it, it, people do a little more, but it's still, uh, you know, it is what it is. I think this is just something we're just going to deal with for a while. So yeah, I'll, we're going to get a new variant every year. So it's just kind of, yeah. yeah, I think that's the way it goes. I know they're saying it's going to be endemic by 2024. So just like the flu, you get your shot and there's a new strain or whatever. So yep. hopefully that's the way it goes. And it's just life as usual. Well, I'm glad you were able to do stuff at the holidays and be able to travel and stuff, even though you had yeah. to do all that. So. Oh, they can't keep me out. I'm a U.S. citizen. Come over whenever I want. <laughs> and then they have to let me back in. <laughs> so I know, um, you know, when, when you came here and, and, and did the summit and stuff, which by the way, you were awesome. Like it was, it was great, you. great, to, great to hear you speak and stuff. And, um, you know, but, but I know like th- for the past while now, I mean, you've really been into serial fiction has, has, has kind of been your thing. So like, yeah. what, what was it that originally got you into that? Oh, it was, it was a uh, TASM in the discord. Everybody was going crazy about it in there and a couple other, um, you know, indie slacks and discords and stuff that I'm in where people were talking about it, but you know, it's going to be like, KU gold rush. You got to get in early. And, uh, you know, I did one, uh, trad pub book that I co-wrote with, um, my co-author Stuart Sternberg, who's also doing the serials with me. We did that in 2015 with a small press was still trying to kind of go the trad route after that. And it's a struggle. It's like beating your head against the wall. You just write a novel, send it out. Um, And so when this came along, I'm like, well, this would be really fun and different because I've kind of been thinking about going indie, but it's a lot to learn, a lot about ads and marketing. And I'm like, well, this is something I could do. There's no pressure. We can pen name it. You know, we can kind of learn about marketing stuff as we go and we can just kind of see what happens. Um, So we put two serials on there under the pen name uh, LP Styles, which is a joke from our trad pub novel it's the name of our, our necromancer so uh, oh, nice. we did that as our pen name and then uh yeah the sci-fi serial has really taken off so i have no complaints the horror is doing okay-ish um yeah but the sci-fi has been ranking like up in the top pretty consistently for the last few months so it's been a really cool learning experience really have met a lot of great authors and communities who have taught me about things you know i didn't know about like facebook ads and stuff yeah something I was just messing with this week. I don't really know what I'm doing, but it's fun. So it's been a great learning curve and like the deadlines, you know, like I'm, I have no secret that I have ADHD. So I, I write my character in sci-fi has ADHD. So it's kind of just <laughs> like what's going on in my head, but there are multiple points of view. Cause you can only stay in that for so long before you yeah. get exhausted reading that, you know? 
but um, it's been great to have like deadlines and accountability because we post two episodes a week for both serials and they're usually around a thousand to 2000 words. So it's, you know, like four to 6,000 words a week we're writing and putting out. And it's just, you have to get it done because you have people waiting for it. Right. And there's money coming in. So you're like, I've got to get the writing done. So I've been enjoying it. Yeah. Nice. Now, are you guys, are are you all in on Vela pretty much? Is that? We're all in on Vela. I mean, for sci-fi and horror, there's nothing else that really makes a lot of money. Yeah. Um, You know, it's not like the romance. You can go to Radish, whatever, and make some pretty good money on that. But on sci-fi and horror, the only other places for serial fiction right now are pretty much free or have um, really crappy terms like, you know, exclusivity for years and years and things that I just wouldn't want to do in the contract. Um, So yeah, we're all in on Vela primarily because it's paying well right now. So if that changed, it might be a different story, but as long as I keep paying us, we're going to keep doing that. Hey, that's a good reason to do it. (laughs) If you have money coming in, I know they've been doing a lot of bonuses and stuff like, so, yeah, and they've really been trying to incentivize authors to be on that platform. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Now are you, um, like I know we were talking about uh, before we were talking about our, our buddy T.W. Piper Brook and um, we were kind of joking about him off air because I, I make fun of him every chance I get. So, of course, but I know that he is, you know, launching in Vela and like doing Vela for like a month or something. Then I think the terms say you can publish as an ebook after that. Like, are you Absolutely. guys, are you doing that too? Yeah. So the terms are really like, I think they're pretty generous. So you have to have at least 10 episodes up and then, you know, you can publish in novellas or novels of whatever you want of 10 episodes or more. And it's only 30 days from your last episode drop. So you could put them up like in little novelettes or novellas, you know, and put them on KU or wherever you want wide KDP. You can do all of that with them. Um, or, and you know, and you can keep going. So you don't have to like end your serial. You can just keep writing. So a lot of authors are doing it that way. They're kind of um, putting up the work to test it. Obviously like not first draft work, right? Like well-edited work, but testing it, getting some feedback, whatever, and then putting it out uh, whatever way they want. And that's totally within terms. We've been discussing that, but then it's kind of like, I'm back and forth on it. I'm kind of watching to see what other readers are doing. Um, when I first started, I was promoting both of my serials heavily. And I had a marketing friend who told me that's stupid. Like, don't do that. Just promote one because you're splitting your readership. Yeah. So I, I did that and just like started making way more money and ranking way higher. Oh, so nice. I, the poor horror, I love the horror, but I've stopped promoting it completely. Um, and I get a little bit of organic read, but not like what I get for the, the sci-fi. Um, so I'm kind of hesitant to put it into like uh, a novel right now because it's like, there's maybe, I don't know, 13,000 to 15,000 stories on Kindle Vela. So it's really yeah. easy to rank high right now versus being in like 10 million plus or whatever there is on Amazon just in novels. So I don't know that I want to split my readership that way. So that's where I've been struggling. Do you have to pull it off Vela when you go to Kindle? You don't, but if I'm going to like, be like, I see what you're saying for marketing stuff, I'm going to make more money in Vela than I am on KU right now. So I think, and I don't think he would mind if I said this, if I said this publicly, like, cause it's not a secret, but I think Piper Brook, the way he got to where he is, 
is he looked at it from the perspective of he already has all these Kindle readers and he was worried about trying to get his existing readers onto Vela. Yeah. So like he didn't want to turn them off or anything. And, and I, and I, to me, that makes sense. So I think his idea, he's not even telling his readers that his stories are on Vela. Yeah. He's just going to Vela and then like basically hoping people find it. And I think he's had pretty good success with that. And then when he puts out as a book is when he's telling his readers, Hey, this, I have this new book available. And so he's kind of like having his cake and eating it too, because he's getting to do these launches on Vela and like get those readers, but then also like still get the Kindle ranking, all that type of stuff. Um, which is, which has really worked out well for him, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, um, specifically people who don't have, are people who do have like big existing Kindle audiences already. Like to me, that would make, that's probably how I would do it. If I was going to go into this, go into Vela as I wouldn't even tell my regular readers about it. Yeah. And I think that's not a bad idea. I like, it's hard to know, but I think serial readers and novel readers are probably uh, different audiences. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I think, you know, for me coming without an audience, it made more sense just to kind 100%. of like put all the promotion into this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, at some point it may do, do the novels and just, but right now I'm kind of riding out to see how this goes. There's a lot of predictions that, you know, this is going to be a trend and a lot more readers are going to come on. They just put it on Android as of today. So thank you. Like 90% of the U.S. can now read it. Um, <laughs> so, and then, you know, we're hoping international readers come in. So I'm just kind of playing the long game with it because it's works that I did like for Vela. Like we did these for Vela. We didn't do them for novels. We did them for serial fiction. Um, and I have other novels if that's kind of the way I want to go, but we may one day put them into novel form. It's kind of hedging the bets. So Well, I think the good, I think the good thing is too, is that it's easier to go that way from a serial to turn into a novel than it is to go the other way to like try it. Cause that's obviously the mistake so many people make is they're like, Oh, I'm just going to break up my novel and like post a chapters and episodes. It's like, no, it's not, it's not the same type of it. That's like, it's, it's like the easiest comparison is to say it's movies versus television. Absolutely. Which is totally a different format. Like, uh, you know, totally to an episode of a TV show in a season is totally different than a, a, a standalone two, two and a half hour movie, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and I think too, um, the, the, the other part of that is, and I could be totally off base about this, but I feel like, you know, you mentioned it's different readers, but I feel like it it's easier for a serial reader to turn to become more of a novel reader than the other way around. Because I think people who are readers, you know, they they know how they like to get their books, you know, whether it's Kindle or or quote unquote real books. I love when people say that, um, you know, physical books or audio books, like, and that's how they read, you yeah. know. But I, I feel and and so like from Tyler's point, you know, I could see how it's harder to turn that person onto a platform like Vela or something like that. And, but yeah, plus it's, as we said, it's just a, uh, it's just a different, it's just a different right. thing. And I, that's, so that's my, I'm also curious, like, so part of the reason that I haven't gotten into it is because, um, I mean, there's really two reasons for one, like the novel writing is just working for me. And, you know, I'm kind of a one project at a time person. So, 
Um, I'm not like Jay who can work on like five or six projects at a time. Like I really need to laser focus. So for me to do it, I would have to take time away from my Dead South series, which I'm working on. Um, but the other thing is, is that like, I just don't know if I really would enjoy writing serialized stuff. And so like talk, I'm curious, like what your experience with that has been, because as you said, you know, you have written novels, you've, you know, you've worked with publishers and stuff. So like from a craft and writing standpoint, like what's your experience been like? So it's been interesting. I think, you know, I made some mistakes when I started out that I would have done things a bit differently. Um, if I was going back now, I think I was writing it a little more like the novel when I started out and then kind of realized, you know, this needs to move faster, be sparser, got to have the cliffhangers. You're basically writing, like you said, like a TV episode to try and pull someone to the next episode. So, I mean, if someone has a novel, it's not as much of a, a big a deal because they have the book, they're going to read it. When you have people literally paying for every episode, <laughs> like yeah. you have to make them want to spend those coins, those tokens, whatever they're buying in Bella on the next one. So you have to be with every episode. Is this good enough to make someone pay for the next one? You can't really have like a lot of exposition or like scenery or like breathing time. You kind of got to pull people through. And I think that's what they're there for a lot for like emotions and larger than life characters. And so it, it's very different than writing a novel. Cause, and then, you know, the revision process is very different. Cause when I'm doing a novel, I will draft it and then I will draft it again. And then I'll have some alpha readers read it and then I'll draft it again. And then I'll have some beta readers read it and then I'll draft it again. And this isn't it. It's like draft one, draft two to a beta and out. Like that's it. Yeah. Cause you just don't <laughs> you have know? time. Yeah. No. Cause you got to do it. You know, we're releasing Wednesdays and Sundays, 6,000 words a week. Yeah. You don't have time. I'm just like pro writing it. That's good enough for my editor. And it, you know, I've had like one person find a typo. So it's been good enough. Right. And yeah. you don't, need, you can't do developmental edits cause there's not a novel arc. When are you going to, you know, yeah. And well, and it's I a think strange too, beast. <laughs> I think too, that the, the readers of that stuff are kind of have an understanding of that, mm -hmm. like that they're not getting a fully polished, you know, um, work, which does not give you, uh, I'm not saying you, I'm saying, cause I know that you're a super pro and all that, but just in general people, it doesn't give a writer an excuse to put out garbage, no. <laughs> you know, and, and just to not even reread it or something like that. But I do think that the serial fiction readers do give a little bit more grace on that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it obviously has to be pretty good because people are paying for it. I know like Audrey, who's number one right now, she has a professional editor, but we're just not making enough money to do that. So we're doing the best we can. Yeah. And you're ourselves. moving so fast. And I mean, you'd have yeah, to get and we're moving so fast we've had no complaints about like editing, like everyone enjoys the stories. And I, I think serial readers are a little more forgiving. Like you need to do a good job. You need to, I would suggest having a beta reader and at least using something like pro writing aid or autocrit to run your, yeah. your thing through. But yeah, I think they are a little more forgiving, like a typo here and there is not the end of the world. So what is uh, another thing I love talking to other writers or just creatives about in general is collaboration, you know, because I obviously have a history where I was in bands and 
you know, Jay and I have written together and, uh, you know, I've, I've partnered on a bunch of creative stuff, you know, not just books, but events and stuff as well and podcasts. And um, so like, uh, so how does y'all's collaborative process work with your co-writer? Like kind of uh, like, what does that look like? What are your roles and, and stuff like that? Yeah. So we kind of, uh, we use like Google Docs, Dropbox, you know, whatever we've been back and forth on them. Um, but we outline, but we outline loosely for serial fiction. We've done yeah. a novel together too. So the outline for that was very detailed, but um, for this, it's not, it's kind of loose because you get a beginning and an end and, maybe a couple of points along the way and you yeah, try, kind of try and just get like them. signpost or something. Yeah. yeah. And we, we do, I've converted my co-author to um, three story method. So we do use three oh, story nice. method outline <laughs> nice. and we outline our, and we outline in seasons. So we do like season one, two, three. So there's kind of like these mini arcs along the way. Um, and he's the horror guy. So that was kind of, well, it, it was at first my idea because I wanted to use it to look at like uh dysfunctional families because i'm like there's nothing more horrible than yeah there's the, that's horror right there <laughs> it is horror. uh but he's kind of taking the lead on the horror because he really enjoys that he's coming from horror writing so he'll first draft and then i'll second draft um molecule thief was the other way so you know we kind of first second draft send it to a beta reader how it goes and, and we do do like uh when we're doing the episodes we are doing like the conflict choice consequence so like we have that in there what's the conflict in the scene so that we can make sure something's happening of course in every episode yeah so we don't have boring episodes so do you i i don't i don't think you said this in there but like do you uh are you both drafting is one of you drafting the stories and the other one like doing yeah. revisions or yeah we do someone does draft one and then the other person does a draft two send it to, and you know sometimes it's one and sometimes the other and then we just send it to the beta nice yeah 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 that's like i mean there's it's cool because there's I've, I've talked to so many different writers who collaborated and they all do it in different ways you know um you know I, I've, I've talked to people who they write you know they'll write they have multi multiple povs in a story and like each person will write a different pov i've heard of people trading chapters back and forth of yeah like you know people just picking scenes in an outline they want to write and doing it you know and then you know jay and i he was the editor like not that we had an editor at the end but he was like the like you said like the second draft guy mm -hmm. so I, I would do all the first drafting and um would let him do all the revisions because he what he i don't know if it's the same now but i know like for a while he preferred to do revisions and i was more of a draft like i like doing the first draft and I get, um, I, I get like anxiety when I have to start editing. I've actually, um, I mean, there were books that we wrote that I never read. Like I give, gave them to him and we're just like, there you go. Like I'm done with it. And I trusted him and have actually, um, just actually with the book I'm working on now, um, I've totally changed my, I'm trying a new process where I'm kind of doing the Dean Koontz thing. So are you familiar with how Dean Koontz writes? You know what? I've, I, I listened to it. I forget who was talking about it on a podcast and now I've totally blanked on it, but I'm going to so, know it as soon as you say it. So go so ahead. essentially what he does is he will write chapters in the morning and edit them at night. And I, I think some or something like 
the, the point is that he doesn't go to the next chapter until he has that chapter. Oh, he does perfect. like the circle, the circle back kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so by the time he's done with the chapter he's working on, like it is done. He doesn't look and, anymore. and so, um, so I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, so I start my day with editing what I, what I wrote the previous day and yeah. get, I, I edit it. Like I do a couple passes, get it totally as good as I can. And then I'm, and then I'll run it through pro writing aid. Uh, and then I'm, when I'm done with this draft of this book, like when I get to the end and I've, I'm, I'm just going to send it to my editor um, yeah. and see what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. I think that comes with experience. I've heard other writers that do that too. Sure. Like I know, like, um, Dean Wesley Smith is a big advocate of doing it that way. Yeah. And I'm just like, maybe I could now, but you know, when I'm still learning things like structure and whatever, and also with like, I'm a, a little bit neurodivergent. So I have to go do some passes because I'll go through and draft and I'll forget about like world building or I'll forget about like emotion. So I'll have yeah. to go through and like do a whole pass to make sure I've hit those things. But yeah, I think it's just different ways and Never yeah, really. I and I, you know, I think for me, I'm like, this is the sixth book in the story too. So in the series, so like, I know my characters, I know my world. So like that helps a lot, I think too. Yeah. That, and, and I, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that you, you know, um, I mean, I'm not saying this process can't work for somebody who's just starting, but I do think there's something to say about, um, and I think you have to know yourself, but I think a lot of people, uh, I, I think for early, for most early writers, it's important just to finish, yep. just to, to learn that you need to just get the words out and get the story on the paper and you can fix everything else later. Because I feel like a lot of writers will perpetually just keep trying to perfect that one chapter and they'll never move on. And then they'll lose the flow of their story, you know? Yeah. And honestly, like I could, you know, I, I think I'm going to end up liking this process because I'm several chapters in and I already love it. And I'm already looking forward to getting to the end and just being able to send this to my editor and, <laughs> and, and not have to have a couple of weeks worth of revisions or whatever. Um, but there's a chance I could be like, well, I think I need that time at the end to really do this. But, but I really do think just from like the process of getting something done and just, you know, cause people like I, I talked to so many new writers who just, you know, they get paralyzed by, yeah. you know, uh, thinking it's not perfect. And it's like, no, the, you know, the first draft of everything is shit, <laughs> you know? So, you know, just get out on the paper and, and get it out there. So, but yeah. I'm enjoying writing like that so far. So well, that's cool. You'll have to keep me posted on how that works. If you continue to do that, yeah. maybe I'll give that a try. It <laughs> <laughs> so, but now, you know, talking about, serialized fiction and stuff you know you and and talking about bella and how you've gone all in on that and stuff i mean you have two podcasts too that are about oh i this. do yeah they're both serial fiction so they're related it's the serial fiction show and yeah. we do the reader's serial fiction show and then the writer's serial fiction show do y'all so treat them like two different things we do but yeah. they're kind of like linked so it's the same story right and the same author uh yeah. for that week so you know, the first one is a sample narration of the first half of the episode, which we got permission from Amazon to do after like 16 days of me talking to them. But anyway, <laughs> um, and then we interview the author, like geared towards writers, what they're enjoying about the story and, you know, 
uh, things they want writers to be excited about and characters they want them to be excited about and inspirations and that kind of thing. And then we do the writer's one, which is more geared toward uh, writers who want to write serial fiction. So we talk about craft, we break down the episode um, for the three C's, look at things like theme, hooks, you know, protagonist wants and needs. We talk about um, tips for serial fiction. So those kind of things. Yeah, and we do that. So that's been a lot of fun. I think the week that we are talking, I don't know when this is coming out, but um, I think we put out 39 episodes now, which is whatever double that is. So it's close to 80 episodes probably by the time this comes out. Nice. So we put out two a week. Yeah, it's been super fun. And we've had great, great authors on there. Um, Hugh Howey, of course, was super yeah. fun. Uh, a lot of the top authors like Audrey Carlin and uh, Yale, Bla Yale Blackwell. I forget who else has been on. Christina Farley, Callie Chase, super authors. Nice. So yeah, anyone interested in serial fiction, reading or writing, she couldn't come listen. It's a blast. And JP is a great co-host. So yeah. He keeps coming up on this podcast for some reason. Hi, JP. <laughs> JP's just everywhere. So, but as I've said on this show before, he's one of my favorite people in the world. So me too. Yeah. I, I, I love JP. He's a fan. He's a fantastic writer too. Mm -hmm. He's a really, really good writer. So, yeah. but uh, well, that's cool. And congratulations on we're going to call it 80 episodes, you know, Thanks. yeah, we'll call it 80. Yeah. Most podcasts don't make it past seven. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So you guys are doing really, really, really good. So yeah. Podcasting is, it's so funny. Cause it's one of those things where I think everybody listens and they just think it's easy. Like they're like, Oh, I could talk. And it's like, no, it's not like, it's not like that at all. <clears throat> I was, uh, yeah, and it took me, like, it was a learning curve, because this is nothing I've done before, and I think it took me, like, four hours to edit the first episode, because I had no idea what I was doing, yeah. but now it's really quick, um, but I was talking to Jay Thorne, because, you know, that guy's had, like, a million podcasts before I started this, and I'm like, oh, do you have any uh, tips for, you know, me to get people to talk more, and he's like, don't interview writers, I'm like, well, that helps, <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. I don't know. I guess I'm just screwed then. But no, it's been going well. And yeah, it's been a blast. We've been having a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm the, you know, the audio editing, because I have the music background and I know Jay does too. That, yeah. that's the, that was like the real easy part. That was, that was one part I wasn't worried about, you know, because I've recorded music and stuff in the past. So I was just like, yeah. oh, that'll be, but like, that's, but that's something a lot of people don't think about, you know, they, and, and it's not necessarily easy, you know, yeah, it's not hard, oh. but like, you just have to learn your way around a program like logic or garage band or audacity right. or whatever you're going to use you know yeah and i started on garage band but uh my friend uh james he does our our sound engineering just for fun like he doesn't have to he's awesome writer and he's an actor but he's like i'll help you because i know how to do this stuff and uh i had the garage band and he's like have you noticed this little glitch maybe you should get logic so i'm like oh so i shelled out for the logic but um yeah, it's really great, especially with like layering and things like intros and music. And you can yeah. just, you know, edit um, all the tracks individually if, you know, you got a dog barking or sirens going and it's, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, I really like that program. Yeah, Logic is awesome. I mean, GarageBand yeah. is basically like Logic Lite, but I mean, yep. you know, for, but I mean, Logic is obviously, I mean, that's what like yeah. professionals use, you know, that's one of the big ones. So, 
Yeah. We were having some really weird issue, which like, I don't know if anyone podcasts or this is interesting that, um, it's okay. It's my show. We can, yeah, he helped me, me figure it out, <laughs> but I guess zoom records at like 48, whatever that is. Gigahertz. Kilohertz. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, garage band can only do 44. So it sounded a little bit glitchy. So I had to upgrade to logic to get it, to not do that, to be at the right kilohertz, which was the most bizarre thing. It took like Google searching to be like, why is this happening? But now the audio sounds good. So yeah, cool. yeah, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little finicky, but, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is what it is. So what, it, what's been your, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, you were talking a little bit about, you know, uh, how you've been, you've leaned more towards like working with publishers and stuff like that as opposed to being indie. So, um, kind of what's, what's been your experience with that? How many books? I can't remember how many books you've published either. Trad one. One. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I've had lots of other ones that just haven't gotten published for whatever reason, like I've been like, you know, close, but not so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And like, you kind of have to be trendy like you you have to be like hot whatever you're writing at the moment and kind of have some luck to get uh in the trad published market like there are so many talented people um that are trying to trad pub whose books I've read and for whatever reason they just don't get picked up and like lots of people writing indie like you could be trad pub but you know whether that's your a lot of it is just their decision they don't want to be trad pub but yeah it's it's a different ball game like entirely than than the indie of course but um yeah, so I've I've been through the first one we did with a small publisher. And then I was like, oh, we're good now. I went to World Fantasy Con. We should do with a big five. So that's kind of what I've been uh going after, but on my own without my co-writer. And I've been like really close, like a lot of times, but it just hasn't worked out. So I did like Pitch Wars, which is a mentorship program, uh, with my first novel that I wrote by myself. And then I got into the Curtis Brown mentorship with my second novel. Um but for whatever reason, just, you know, querying, I got lots of full requests and lots of almost, but just not quite. So I'm, now I'm writing my third one and I'm going to just keep on trying. And why? I don't know. I guess it's just because like, I don't hate my day job. Maybe it would be a different story if I did. Yeah. Um, you know, my day job is fine. Would it be really cool to make all my money from writing? Yeah. But am I going to cry if I have to kind of you know, work two jobs. That's what I call it. I work my two jobs every day. No, I I like doing both of them. Um, So yeah, I'm going to continue to write this. I think part of it too is I really like this third book. So we'll have to see how it goes. But um, I don't know. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. It's like, oh, you'd like to go big five. Now you have to be this whole other entity. And like a lot of it was just like so serious. And so for my third book, I'm like, I just do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> well, and it's like so fun and so lighthearted. And I'm like, watch, this will be the one to get published. Cause I just, right. didn't have, you know, <laughs> while I was writing it. <laughs> it might be, I mean, you never know, you know, and, but I think you're, like, so you're in a, to, to me, you're in a really good position though, because on, on, on multiple levels, like for one, you, um, just because these books are not getting, you're not getting representation, you can't get an agent doesn't mean they're not good books. Like, and I mean, you kind of said that because you're talking about, you know, what the, they look for different things. Like maybe these just aren't types of books they're looking for. So yeah. Dystopians are real hard sell right now. (laughs) The pandemic going on. If I don't know if you saw, like there was a Kate report that just showed what's happened to dystopian over the pandemic. And it's just been 
an epic I haven't fantasy. read it yet. Yeah. And like it, zooming up there, but it'll change. Like it always changes, right? So you just gotta hit it at the right time. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. uh yeah, it totally. I mean, it's I haven't read that report yet. I got it. Um yeah. but I mean, and and obviously, you know, post-apocalyptic and dystopian are not the same thing, even though they often get they're similar. Lumped together, yeah. Yeah, but they often yeah. get lumped together. But like I know for me, I mean the last two years I've had my best sales years I've had. <laughs> so yeah. of course I write put more post-apoc than I do like traditional dystopian stuff. But, um, but, and there's also some really big uh, post-apocalyptic TV shows coming, which I think mm-hmm. are going to make a big difference too with post-apoc. So, yeah, well, I've heard that it's going to be on the rise again. So it's coming up. It, will. Like, it, it yeah. goes up and down. They go up you know? and down. Yeah. So, but you know, what I was saying was, you know, too, like you're, you're in this really good position because you have those books, like, so they're sitting there. So, you know, a, a couple of different things could happen. Like you could get representation at some point, get an agent and then have a book do well. And then they'd be like, Hey, what else do you have? Exactly. You no. Know? So that's exactly. one thing. The other thing is you could indie publish them at some point. Exactly. You know? So I'm just like, I'm having fun writing it. You know, when we had a uh, Hugh Howie on the podcast, he was like, the best time writing was the 10 years I wasn't published. Cause as soon as I got published, it was go time and you don't have time to breathe or like, you know, and, but luckily had all those uh, novels that he could put out that he had worked on before. So, yeah. So I'm like, I'm just appreciating the time. I'm just enjoying writing. I like writing, right? Writers are going to write cause we like to write. Exactly. And then, you know, if a book hits, it hits, or if I, you know, get sick of waiting for Chad, maybe I'll do a Mindy, but. Yeah. yeah and fun. I mean, and, and you're learning along the way about indie and how to, you're starting to learn how to do marketing stuff, which mm-hmm. honestly, I mean, I know you probably know this, but even if you get a, a big five deal, you're still going to need to you know have to do to it do yourself. You still have to spend the money yourself because uh, yeah. the PR that they're going to give you is so minuscule, you know, unless your name is like King or Patterson, Yeah, like you got to do it yourself. So I, I know that. And, you know, I was intimidated by marketing for a long time, but I have learned a lot about it uh over this last year and it's not that bad you know i can do ads i can build a mailing list it's okay like it's it's been fine but yeah i have learned a lot that i was kind of intimidated about so i've really appreciated doing vela for that reason so yeah and and i think the other thing you know the other part of it that i was going to mention too and uh, is you, and you really just brought this up and with what Hugh said and with what you said and stuff like, um, something that a lot of people don't think about. And I, I, I say this, I know I'm coming from a place where like, I do get to do this full time. I don't take that for granted. Like, I love that this is my job, but something that people don't talk about enough is once it becomes like you're dependent on it for your income, it changes your relationship with it. Like it, it just does. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it when when writing was something that I, I I just got up and did as a side hustle. Like it was, you know, it was I don't know. But now it's like I have to do it. Like I have to get up and write. And it's again, I know that for people, there's a lot of people out there who are not full time who are like, well, you say that, and I'm not taking it for granted. I'm just saying it does change your relationship with it. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's your job and your sole income. So you have to do it, you know, whatever mood you're in or it's got to get done. Right. So, so you're in a great position where you enjoy what you do day to day. uh, And, you know, you don't have to put that pressure on yourself to, 
have to write to market or do any stuff like you can write because you enjoy it and publish yeah. and, and publish because you are, are enjoy it you know like like I love indie publishing like I, I I love all the all the business stuff that goes around it so but not everybody's like that that and, and that's why they prefer to go the traditional route or whatever like I'm I enjoy that you know now yeah. it's not to say you know I'm getting to a point in my career where like, I'm going to start looking at traditional as well, you know, because I kind of feel like, uh, you know, there's some books I want to write that I feel like would be better traditional. But I also just feel like I'm kind of at that point in my career where it's time to maybe try to take that step. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so many people look at it as like an either or decision, when to me, it's just like, it's something else, like, I'm still going to indie publish books, like, yeah. but, but, you know, it, it's not like if I get a traditional publishing deal that, every book I do after that has to be, you know, especially if you get a good oh, agent, yeah, no. like, uh, like JD, you know, Kristen yeah. Nelson is, is super cool and she's indie friendly and stuff too. So, you yeah, know, it's a lot of agents are, yeah, a lot of agents are cool with people being hybrid. And, you know, a lot of the reason that I, I wanted to do it is because just, I'm not a fast writer or is what I told myself until I started serials and found out that's a lie. Cause we've written like probably the equivalent of four novels in six months. So I'm like, well, I guess that was a lie. So it's kind of changing my perspective on it a little bit. That was co-writing, but I'm still like, that's a lot of freaking novels. Like we've just been blazing because you have to. So I'm like, oh, well, it is possible to write a lot faster. So I don't know. I just uh, going to do this third one, going to give it another go with the trad publishers and We'll see from there. Maybe I'll indie or maybe I'll just write another novel. I don't know. <laughs> so um, tell, tell, tell everyone a little bit about like what you do day to day, like what your day job is, you mentioned. I'm oh, sure people yeah. Are curious. Sure. So um, my degree is in clinical neuropsychology. So, um, you know, I'm a licensed neuropsychologist. So I did a lot of years at hospitals. I don't know how many, like eight, maybe. <laughs> and then, um, just a job happened to open up where I was at at the school board. So now I'm at a school board, which I love because when I was at, um, I used to work at a hospital in downtown Detroit and I used to work all the time, (laughs) like all the time. And, uh, this job is, is really friendly, you know, for my family and for my writing, my work, like, you know, eight till four and that's it, which is fantastic. So, um, I really like doing that. So yeah, I, it was funny when, you know, yeah. uh, I guess rock Apoc would have been the first time I met you. I think, I think that's true. That yeah. was 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was so funny because we were all in that room and coming up with that post-apoc world and you and JP, you know, we had these two science scientists in the room and it was just <laughs> like, some of the stuff you guys were talking about, I was just like, it was way over my head, <laughs> but it was awesome to have you all in the room, you know, and, yeah, uh, and talk about it. That was the first time I met JP too. So yeah. I was like, yeah, it was totally fun. We had a great time. Yeah. And I get to use some of my brain knowledge in my fiction, which is fun. Yeah. I was going um, to ask about that. Like how much of that, I, I would have to think a lot of it goes into your, to your a lot fiction. of it. Yeah. A lot of it. And you know, I'm a neuropsychologist. So a lot of brain stuff, my first novel that I had written on my own was about a neurologist. What, like, so, you know, it was like, oh yeah, it's a neurologist. Or I think I called her an effective neurologist and I'm like, essentially what I do, but not, or like, you know? Yeah. So it was a lot of like weird, uh, speculative, like, what if we could use 
TMS, which is like big magnetic coils to like alter brains and all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, so that was fun. And of course, a lot of the uh, emotion, emotional stuff, emotional, why people do what they do. That's awesome. So I like, a this, so a lot of that bleeds into like your character choices and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That is, yeah, that yeah. is fascinating. Like yeah. uh, that, that is such a really cool advantage to have um, while writing fiction. Cause I'm, I'm sure uh, it really just makes you know, gives your characters just a more real dimension than other people who don't have the scientific knowledge that you have. Well, I'd like to hope so. I mean, I know there are things that sometimes like, I'm not so great with world building maybe, but with consistent characters, I'm usually pretty good. Like what, why they're doing what they're doing. I'm usually pretty on with that. So yeah. <laughs> you and uh, you and Jeff Elkins. Oh know? yeah. <laughs> Jeff's all about those characters and all that dialogue and stuff. So, yeah. you know, now you also do editing too. So I do, I do yeah. do editing. Um, I did the certification with you all in Cleveland. Oh, you did it with us too. I guess Jay was teaching it. Yeah, um, I was in, the, I was in the, it was, yeah, you were one of us. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I did the three story method, uh, certification and I love editing novels. Like, um, really love, like, so doing the three story method, you know, I use that for myself. So I'd love to help people with outlines. I love to help people with story structure, consistent characters, um, you know, I've done it for a couple novels that have got tried published. Um, nice. I was joking that I'm like the book doula, but I'm never going to get it. And I'm like, here's your book is going to the chat <laughs> publisher, but it's fine. I'm really excited for, you know, people's books that I've worked on that have went tried published and yeah, I really like doing that. So that's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 It's, it's funny. I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I hate editing my own work, but I like editing other people's work. <laughs> right. Well, it's yeah. very different. Like I find it, it totally. easier. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're so close to your own work, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it was very much like when I was into music, you know, I would, uh, uh, you know, when we were working on our own songs, you know, it was, that's one dynamic, but occasionally I would go into the studio and like friends bands are recording and stuff. And I would, you know, stand there next to the engineer like almost pretend like i was the producer or something like that but i would like i mean there's stuff that's end up ended up on records where i've been like oh you should try let's try you should try this here or you know stuff like that and um and it's so it's that's kind of the same thing like that's you just cool. it's a diff it's just getting a different perspective and you're just too close to your own art you know yeah. did they credit you for that produced by zach i don't I don't think so, <laughs> but that's okay. It wasn't anything super popular anyway. So, but, uh, but, but that's okay. So, but yeah, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Like, you know, uh, we both offer three-story method editing. So, um, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll put a link to that and stuff in the show notes. Yeah, it was, that was fun. And it was kind of weird being on the other end. Cause I'm used to being up there with Jay, but yeah, that was kind of his thing. And, um, and he had known that I wanted to get into editing and stuff and was like, well, obviously, you know, three-story method, <laughs> which, you know, I obviously I do because I co-wrote the book, but mm-hmm. it was a, a lot of the other stuff about like how he works with clients, how he gets clients. Like that was the stuff I was really there for more than anything. So yeah. Uh, plus I just want to come hang out with all you guys. Yeah. It was really funny. I was in uh Slack. I'm in Jeff Elkin Slack because I like to support him. So I stalk him in there too. And some of them was like, someone, someone that was on there was like, Hey, I'm going through a three-story method for the second or third time I read it. 
And I just realized that you wrote a part of this book. I'm like, I did. I got to do yeah. a little section on character <laughs> motivation. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. You sure are in that book. So I was like teasing. I was like, Jay thinks because I'm a neuropsychologist, I know things. So he let me write a section. I don't know. <laughs> it was no, it was good. No, it was awesome. Like Thank I you. you know, I remember reading that and being like, this is this is awesome and totally fits in here. And give and it gave us a it gave us a different perspective than you get in a lot of other writing books. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I think you could be onto something with that with characters. Like yeah. If you, yeah, if like, you want to do nonfiction type stuff, there's there's some there's something there for you. So maybe someday, maybe that'll be the way to quit my day job. I don't know. <laughs> so like speaking of, again of your day job and stuff. So like what is, uh, what does a day to day look like for you? Because obviously you have your day job you love, which is yeah. great that your hours are really consistent and stuff. And um, you know you obviously you know are a mom. How many kids do mm-hmm. you have? I have one. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember so, if it was one or two. I knew it was one or the other. Yeah. No, I have one and you know, he's, he's like three, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what does your day to day look like? So, um, right now, like now it's solid. So when I, I had first had him, it was a mess. So just like, you know, you got to give yourself a break. So oh, yeah. yeah, when I first had my son, I actually didn't start writing until after I had my son. Which that was like, like me. <laughs> the, yeah. Cause I was yeah. at home and I was bored. I'm just one of those people that always needs like some cognitive engagement. I'm like, Oh, I'm so bored. I have a three month old and like, you can only do so much laundry and watch daytime TV. I'm like, what am I going to do with myself? So I'm like, oh, I'm going to write a novel and you know, it was horrible or whatever, but it was something to do. So I had started writing then I was like, I was close to 30 if I was not 30. Um, and then when my son was one, my husband then was uh, diagnosed with stage four cancer. So we went through that for three years um, until he finally passed, unfortunately. And then I did the single mom thing uh, for quite a while. So, it, I mean, it was a struggle because I was working a lot. Um, it was a whole mess. I, I was, uh, you know, Canadian, had been living in Michigan for four years was not a citizen. So I had like no job, no rights to my house. <laughs> it was like a whole, so I had to get my citizenship, get a job. Like I kind of had to put the PhD on hold cause I was doing the PhD um, and all of that stuff. So it was a lot. So sometimes you just got to give yourself a break. There was like a year there I did no writing cause everything was just a mess, but um, I really did love it. So, you know, once I got the solid job and, you know got my kids settled back into like preschool and all of that stuff started writing again. Um, and I was in the hospital at that time. So I would just write when I can. Ever since I have kind of made the shift to be at the school board, which I did consciously, it's less money than I could be making at the hospital. But I'm like, but that's not what I care about, right? Like I care about my lifestyle. I care about being at home with my kid when he needs me to do his homework uh, and all of those kind of things. So, and then I did eventually get remarried. So that was nice too. But um, for me now, what it looks like is like, I get up at 6.30, you know, I get everyone's lunches ready, uh, get him ready, get myself out the door, get to work at eight, work till four, come home, do his homework, do his, you know, we do dinner, we do all of that. And I'm a night owl. So I block my writing time every day from 9.30 till 11, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but you can get a lot done. Like if you're really focused. No, that is, no, that is. Yeah, you can get a lot done in an hour and a half a day. Um, 
And sometimes I start earlier and sometimes I end later. Like if I'm just like in a good groove and I don't want to go to bed till 1130 or 12, whatever. But every day from 930 to 11, I write and I turn off my Wi-Fi, you know, so I'm not distracted. You know, my kids going, goes to bed at 930. So that's yeah. perfect. Cause he's got to get up for school. So he's done. My husband doesn't bug me and I get my words in every day. So you know, I love doing that. That's what I love doing. And so I'm like, if I just continue on that way, because I find like when you get into really deep creative work, like I get tired anyways, I don't know yeah. that I could do more than two, three hours a day of really deep creative work because I just get spent. And then, you know, if I'm at work or whatever, and I need to put up a marketing post or check some socials on my lunch, I can do that. It's no yeah. big deal. And that works. Like it's good. I, I can write like at least a novel a year or apparently this year, like three novels doing that. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you again, something that people don't really think about when, you know, they talk about being full-time or whatever. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things out of what you said that might make you feel better. Like for one, there were days when I had a full-time job that I wrote more and I do now because, mm -hmm. because of those time constraints, like, yeah. you know, that you're nine 30 to 11, that's what you have. Yep. You know, so like you, if you want to get your words in, that's when you have to do it, you know? And, and so now, you know, I mean, I'll admit like I can be a procrastinator and I could wake up like, oh, I'll start in 30 minutes or, or whatever, you know, like I'm pretty good day to day about getting my ass in the chair and doing it, mm -hmm. but I'm not, pro I mean, that doesn't happen all the time, you know? Yeah. And th the other thing I'll say is that, and this is something I've, I've just started talking about publicly recently and, and something I struggle with for a long time is like, there's days where I only work like two or three hours. <laughs> and I dealt with guilt around that for a long time because I had in my head the whole eight hour work day. Yeah. And, um, like we talked about this actually on JD's episode where JD was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll write and be done. And then I'm sitting there thinking, oh, wow, my, all my other friends are at their jobs. Like I should be working. And it took me, it took me a long time to get over that guilt. And because there are some days where, I don't have marketing to do. I don't have any admin or podcast work. Like I literally, all I need to do is write mm -hmm. and I'm, it might only take me like three hours. And then I'm like, okay. But that going back to what you said, my lifestyle was the main reason I want to do this. Like, I'm sure yeah. I could go make more money doing something else, but like, that's not what, like the money isn't what motivates me. Like owning my time Cause I, you know, I use that time. I'll go for walks, go, or I spend the time with my daughter, like whatever, you know? Um, and, and so I don't know, hopefully you, those couple of things might make you feel a little bit better. Not that you were feeling bad, but like, just kind of yeah. validate. <laughs> no. And like, I, I, that's part of it. I'm, I'm like, how could you do a lot more than that? Because I mean, you can't. cognitive fatigue is a real thing, especially yeah. when you're in deep creative work. Like you can't sustain that. I think that's part of the reason why Pomodoro's work, like you, your brain needs a break, you know? And if you're doing it the way that you're doing, you're just kind of writing and going back and you want to turn out really good words, like consistently, you can't do that eight hours a day. Your brain just like, is going to be, nope, nope. I mean, maybe some people can, but I, well, yeah, that would not be sustainable for me. I know very few authors who do that. There's, I know a couple that do it and, but I mean, I, it's not, that's not going to be sustainable for anybody. Yeah. You know, it's just like you said, your brain just can't like, I, I, I know how much I have in me a day, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and if you, once you know that it's like, okay, like, but it just took a while to get to that point where I was like, okay with that, you know?
So is your son, uh, is he creative or shown any kind of creative aspirations or anything oh, like that? Or? Well, I guess it means it depends what you mean by creative. He really likes tech. So he's really okay. like, uh, likes video games. He likes coding, animation, like designing. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. I mean, every, everyone is creative. Like, yeah. so like, I, you know, I mean, every, you know, I, I made the joke about my dad, my dad has no interest in drawing, like writing, playing music. Like he's not an artistic person, but you know, he worked in the hotel industry for a long time and had to come up with marketing. Like that's being creative, you know? So I, yeah. I guess I meant like, is he, there's difference between being a creative and being a creator, Yeah, you know? And it sounds like though, if he's into games and animation, I mean, that's a hundred percent. Yeah. He loves doing that. He loves coming up with animations and coding and like making new stuff. I don't understand much about it. (laughs) So yeah, he's starting starting high school next year, which is crazy. Um, and has picked like, uh, you know, grade nine, you get ninth grade, whatever you get one elective pretty much. Cause you've got to take, you know, your whatever math history, English, uh, he picked the t- technology path to go that's going to go into coding eventually because that's what he nice. wants to do so i'm like well there's the one class i can't help you with so like good luck because <laughs> you're on your own i don't know he sounds like coding. he'll be fine though he will be his dad doesn't know anything about coding either so but he is he's cool like he makes all these animations so come show them to me i don't know he uses some programs i think he uses like he does like unity and then he does some like block coding and then he does a little bit of C plus or something, but I don't know. I don't understand. Anything, hey, those so. are great things for kids yeah. to be into though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, I mean, coding is, is such a big deal and su- such a, a versatile, um, you know, trade to be in for sure. So that's, that's awesome that he's taken to it. Maybe he can, uh, you know, one, one, one of my things as a writer, every, everyone is always like, Oh, I bet it's a dream to get a movie made of one of your books. I'm like, okay, yeah, that would be cool. But I really want to work on a video game. That's that like be my, the, be the coolest. That that's my, like my big thing is I, I yeah. want to like work on the story for like a, a big time video game. Yeah. And so maybe, uh, maybe your son and I can work together at some point. Oh, I'm sure he would <laughs> love that. Yeah, for sure. It would be awesome. So, well, awesome. Well, uh, I guess this pro- this feels like a pretty good time to wrap this up. So uh, yeah. do you have anything specific you want to promote or play, you know, where can people find you online? The, talk oh, about the yeah. podcast, any of that oh, good stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So you can find all my stuff on christinedagobooks.com, my name, books.com. All my stuff is there. Um, the serial fiction is lpstyles.com. If you just specifically want to go look at my stories, uh, and the serial fiction show, serialfictionshow.com. If you want to come listen to me talk more, <laughs> that's where you can find <laughs> me talking more. Nice. And you have to listen to JP too. So, yeah. But that, that's, we know I, there's way too many J's in my life JP, JD, J. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's, there's too many of them, but that's, that's a okay. Lot of J's, so. yeah. Awesome. Well, Christine, I really, really appreciate you coming on here. And uh, it, was, it was awesome, awesome talking to you. And I hope I get to see you in person again really soon. Oh, me too. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Creator Dad Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join the official Creator Dad Discord community with fellow Creator Dads like you and me 
connect to discuss our creative endeavors, parenting, relationships, music, movies, and TV, sports, money, all the things that dudes love to talk about. Get all the details at patreon.com slash creator dad.